This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 191, Building a Successful YouTube Channel as a Yoga Teacher. Are you a yoga teacher, maybe dreaming of teaching online from anywhere in the world and bringing together an incredible community of yogis as you build a beyond successful YouTube channel? Or maybe you're a yoga student and you're curious and you'd love to peek behind the curtain of this world. If so, today's episode is for you. For today's episode, I sat down with Cassandra Reinhardt of the very popular YouTube channel Yoga with Cassandra. Cassandra is a yin and vinyasa yoga teacher, YouTuber, and author. Her YouTube channel has grown to more than 2 million subscribers and she has over 190 million views. In 2014, when she began posting yoga videos on YouTube, she had just been recently certified and she was struggling to find teaching jobs in studios. Eight years later, she has created a space for herself and her yoga community with her specialized bite-sized approach of 10-minute morning yoga classes. In addition to her popular YouTube channel, Cassandra has led yoga retreats internationally as well as in-person yin yoga teacher trainings. She also offers online workshops and programs, including her most popular yin yoga teacher training. Cassandra also has the same name app, Yoga with Cassandra, which is a source of all things yin and vinyasa yoga with downloadable ad-free videos and in-app calendar journaling features and access to exclusive content. She's also the author of the books, Yin Yoga, Stretch and Mindful Way, Year of Yoga, Rituals for Every Day and Every Season, My Yoga Journey, A Guided Journal, and Radiate Joy, Daily Affirmation Cards. Cassandra and her channel have been featured in CBC, Bustle, Pop Sugar, Well and Good, and Elle Australia. If this episode helps you in any way, share it with someone else and help them on their journey. Leave a review on iTunes for them to find the episode or the podcast in general and share your takeaways on social media. I always love to read your takeaways on the episode. So as you take a screenshot of the episode and share something you've learned on IG, make sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast so I can see it. All right. If you're ready to hear about her journey and her best tip, let's get to today's episode with Cassandra. Hi, Cassandra. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So for listeners that don't know you yet or don't know you very well, can we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, so I'm a yoga instructor. I've been teaching since 2013. I primarily now teach online. I started my YouTube channel called Yoga with Cassandra in 2014. So I'm based out of Ottawa, Canada, but I primarily teach online. I didn't know you were a fellow Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just I'm in, from Montreal, just so not very far. Okay. I thought you were French. I'm also French. Like I'm from Gatineau originally. <laughs> oh, there we go. There yeah. we go. Yeah. I don't live in Canada anymore, but I am from there. Oh. I, I visit one. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a small world. Why did you decide to focus your attention on teaching online or why did you choose YouTube as your main platform? What was that decision if it was like one that was really planned like how did that happen for you it definitely wasn't planned it wasn't something strategic that i decided to go for it's something that happened a little bit more gradually and a little bit by mistake when i got certified i think in 2013 it was really difficult to get those first few teaching jobs just because it's a competitive arena. You know, there are a lot of teachers competing for the same kind of positions. So I was just feeling a little frustrated. I wanted to be doing more than what I was already doing. And I just had the idea, what if I go online and put up a couple videos? One, because I thought 
I've always wanted to have a YouTube channel and never knew what kind of channel I could have. So I thought maybe that could be fun to see if I enjoy having a few videos up on YouTube. But mainly like number two is that I figured this will give me something extra to put on my resume when I am applying to studio positions. I just thought this gives me a little bit more experience because of course, when you're just starting off, there's really just not much that you can put on your resume when you haven't done anything yet. So I just thought, okay, well, I'll put a couple of videos. Maybe that'll be fun. Maybe a few people will watch. But then also when I'm applying, I can also send them a link to my videos and the studios will be able to see what my teaching style is like, what my voice is like, what kind of classes I like to present. So I didn't know at the time what could happen online. This was 2014. It was a very, very, very different landscape in terms of like social media and entrepreneurship and digital Mm -hmm. commerce. Like it was all still very early stages, Mm -hmm. but thankfully I started at that time. I loved it right away. And also thankfully I saw the potential that existed with teaching yoga on YouTube very, very early on. So, you know, I never really thought that this would end up being something I'm doing full time. I didn't realize that it could get as big as it's gotten today. So it was very slow and steady, small steps, but I did enjoy it from the beginning. And I did see that there is some kind of potential here. I wasn't really sure what that would look like, but I was curious enough to just kind of keep going. So thankfully I did. Now, nine years later, that's predominantly what I do. Yeah. It's so smart to see it as a way to not only gain experience, but also like just practice your teaching style, your voice. And then it's basically like you have an audition tape for the studios. You can send them your favorite class you've done so far. You can be like, look at me and you don't have to actually, maybe some studios still ask you in person, but you probably have less chances of needing to audition in person, which could be really nerve wracking for a new teacher. Yeah, totally. It felt exactly like putting together a little reel, you know, that actors do when they're auditioning. So I just thought it'd be really nice to have something visual that really gave people an idea of what my teaching style was like. And if that didn't work, well, at least I was giving a try to something new and maybe a couple of people will find my class, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. There was not a lot to lose in a sense, which is a nice way to get into something new just with open-minded and like see where it goes. Exactly. Because honestly, a lot of people today, they're like, okay, I want to start teaching on YouTube. What kind of equipment do I need? How much do I need to invest? And it's like, don't even worry about that. Like when I first started, I mean, back in the day in 2014, the phones weren't even that good, but I was filming on my phone. You could only record for 10 minutes at a time. I was using scotch tape, you know, to hold it up on a yoga block. Like I didn't have a microphone, like, you know, but you just make do with what you have. And if it's something that you enjoy and that you think you're good at, and maybe this is a good fit for who you are and your natural style. Like I am someone, I like performing. I like teaching. I like being in front of the camera. It was a good path for me. Like it it suited me well. Mm. So eventually it made sense for me to buy a nice camera and get a nice microphone and get good editing software. But really when you're just starting off, like your phone is fine. Like you need to figure out if you even enjoy it before you actually commit to something fully. So it was super low stakes. I had nothing to lose by just giving it a try. Especially with the technology of today, like with your phone, you can do something very decent. And over time, you will know 
if it's worth investing before you like take the full plunge. And it's the same for podcasting. Like before you buy the fancy mics and all the things, you can record just on your phone and see after a few episodes, do you like it? Do you like what's behind it too? Because like what we see is the video on YouTube, but there's a lot more work that's put in than just that 10 minute long video, right? So like you have to love those other steps as well. That is part of your process and your work all day long. Oh my God, totally. I mean, 10% of what I do is actually teaching a yoga class in front of the camera. The rest, it's really a desk job. I'm doing online marketing, you know, I'm doing my accounting, bookkeeping, like I'm doing emails, customer service. Like it's just like running your own online business. That's what it is. I just happen to do this business teaching yoga. But, you know, same to what you said. If someone wanted to start a podcast today or if they want to start a YouTube channel, the other advantage that we have today is that now in 2023, I can just go on Google and I can say how to start a yoga YouTube channel and a million different tutorials, full blog posts, full programs ready to make, you know, the information is all out there. It's ready and it's free. The same with a podcast, but 10 years ago, not so much. You know, if you wanted to start a podcast 10 years ago, you kind of really had to figure it out on your own. And same with a YouTube channel. It was a little rougher. So I often get people who think it's too late for them to start Mm -hmm. a podcast or too late for them to start a YouTube channel because too many people are doing it now. And it's like, sure, but there's also more people now searching for it. There's a greater demand for it. More people are aware of podcasts, are aware of yoga online. They're actually looking for it. So yes, there are more people to choose from, but there's also a way bigger audience, a way bigger demand than there ever has been. And you can now do it a whole lot easier. Like you already probably have the equipment at home just with your phone and whatever you have as your computer. And you can just Google everything else. Everything can be Googled. Googled is the best. (laughs) You know, it really, really, really can make the experience a lot less daunting. So I always say like, it's still worth it. If you want to do it, it is absolutely still worth it to give it a try. Yeah, I think I saw, and I hope I'm not misquoting this, but I think I saw that 64% of yoga practitioners are now today practicing online. Wow. Isn't that mind blown? I was mind blown. I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I mean, I believe it, especially now if this is like a post-pandemic numbers, but for sure, we all saw tremendous growth. Like all yoga, fitness, wellness related channels on YouTube, we all saw tremendous growth during the pandemic because everyone was at home. And it's not so much that the students who were used to practicing in studios, now we're giving home videos a try. Like that's one component to it. But for the most part, it was people who have never tried yoga before, who have never tried meditation, Mm. even in person. All of a sudden, now they're at home, they're kind of going crazy, and they're desperate, and they're going on YouTube and typing 10-minute yoga or five-minute meditation or quick breath work before bed, you know? So it really helped to introduce a lot more people to the power and the awesomeness of practicing at home. You know, it's so fun. So, but I never heard that number. So it's kind of cool to have a percentage around that. Yeah. So I will double check and I will put it in the show notes in case I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was it because it really kind of hit me. And I was like 64. That seems like 
outrageously high. It's high. It also yeah. made me happy because most of my teaching is online as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to come back to two things you said. One was like 10% of your work is the actual teaching. Did you expect when you decided to become a yoga teacher that you would actually become an entrepreneur or that was kind of an accident on the road and necessity for you to learn? It was an accident but a very happy accident. Mm. I had a lot of resistance to it in the beginning just because I was extremely overwhelmed by the sheer amount of new skills I was expected to learn. It didn't feel realistic or possible. It didn't feel fair, (laughs) especially for something that I'm doing for free and at that time not really making income on. Like It just felt so daunting to learn even just something simple like working a camera and editing the video. But then it's also like social media, figuring that part out, building my own website, starting to do my own accounting, figuring out how to incorporate my business and how to set up my business. Tax Taxes was like a huge hurdle for me because like I'm a Canadian business, I'm selling products online, you know, and now we have like VAT tax and it's like all these different things. And then even just the customer service piece, like the sheer amount of messages and emails that I would get that became super overwhelming, super fast mainly because I'm a people pleaser and it felt like I had to answer everyone right away. It's hard. It was really, really hard. And for a long time, I was hoping, like I would look at how other people were doing it. And there are other big channels out there that do it as a team where the person that you're watching on YouTube, that's all they do is they do the content. And then they have some kind of CEO or you know, chief operating officer that kind of manages the business side of things. And when I was first starting out, I thought that looked great. Like that's what I need. I need a manager. I need someone to come and fix all these problems for me. And like, thank God no one did because today I wouldn't have yoga with Cassandra. You know, I'd be sharing it with someone else. I wouldn't have learned all the skills that I learned. Ah. And I wouldn't have found like the empowerment that comes with realizing like you actually can figure things out for yourself. You can learn these new skills. It's messy. It takes time. And, you know, happily, I learned that I love entrepreneurship and it's a great fit for me. I was always kind of hesitant about choosing a career path. I always Like before I did yoga with Cassandra, as I was building it, I was working for the city of Ottawa. What I liked with that kind of municipal government job is that you're encouraged to move around and try different jobs. Like Mm -hmm. whether you're moving up and getting promoted or whether you're just changing departments, you're really encouraged to like change jobs every few years and like develop new skills. So that was a good fit for me. And that's why entrepreneurship is a good fit for me. I don't like to do the same thing forever. You know, like I like the challenge of having to step outside my comfort zone and give something new a try. And I was really worried growing up, like, how am I ever going to choose a career where... And stick with it for 50 years. (laughs) Yeah. Stick with the same salary, stick with the same role. I hated that idea of like feeling boxed in. So it was hard. But at the end, I'm really, really thankful Mm. that I found entrepreneurship and stuck it out because I'd rather, even though it's like you assume obviously more responsibility, it's a lot more pressure. There's less of a safety net when it comes to your income. I learned that I really thrive in that kind of world. Like I actually really like it and I'd rather sink or swim on my own. Like I I like the pressure of to make it or break it. You know, I find that really a lot more stimulating than something that's more consistent and safe. Obviously that's great, but it just wasn't a good fit for me. So it worked out well in the end, but it was really hard. 
Yeah, we definitely have things in common. I've read recently that happiness is progression. Mm. And like as human, we really experience happiness when we grow, when we learn something new, when we figure things out, when we feel that empowerment of I'm getting it. And it's not the destination and it's not the accomplishment itself. It's the process of learning what you need to learn to actually get there. And this is what is like the true base of our happiness, which is what I hear in your answer too. And I've experienced that myself. I believe it because something I've always told people, you know, like there's like two kinds of teachers usually who will approach me who say, I want advice. I want to start a YouTube channel. I can usually tell only one of those two types have the potential to really make it. And it's the kind of person who asks because they want to serve. They have something they really want to do. And they're really curious about the challenge. The people who come to me because their first question is how much money can I make on YouTube? I know they're destined. (laughs) They're not going to make it like that will not sustain you. You need something greater carrying you forward. And I've always found that like, if you don't enjoy the work on day one, when you have no audience, no money, no idea what you're doing, I don't think you'll even enjoy it on day 1000, even if you are making millions of dollars and you have this huge, amazing company and everyone loves you, you're still not going to like it. It's not enough. The joy really does come from the figuring out, from the doing, from doing something that you're in alignment with that, you know, fuels you. Like we need this growth, you know, and confidence really is buildable the beginning, we don't believe we can do these great things. And that's normal because we have nothing to show for it. But as soon as you start doing one little thing after the other, then you start to believe like, okay, well, I did one video. Now I can do a bigger one. Or maybe, you know, I've done a few videos. Maybe I'm ready to launch my first program, you know, or like I built my website. I think I'm ready for a mailing list. And it's like slowly, but surely you start adding these little pieces to your business. And then you look back and you're like, wow, I've actually done quite well for myself and we're growing. And you realize that it's actually really fun to learn by doing versus to learn and thinking that you need to know everything fully before you feel ready enough to start. Like that ready enough literally has never never happened. happened. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting. (laughs) It never comes. Absolutely. It never comes. For me anyway, I've never felt ready to do anything that I've done. Yeah. I love the reminder that money is not enough of a why you do what you do. And that's very true in all entrepreneurship, I find, but especially in yoga teaching, because it could take a long time before you actually even live from that money. I'm not even talking like having a big, really big income. I'm talking like surviving on your yoga teacher's salary, right? So you have to be committed for another why. What is your why? I mean, I really love the fact that it's a great merger of my personal strengths and what I really enjoy doing. I like teaching. I like being in front of the camera. I like public speaking. So there's a good mesh for my personality and being an online teacher. And that intersects really well with I love to serve others. Like I feel really good about offering yoga for free online to everyone in the world. You know, like that is a good mesh for me. So even if I lost everything tomorrow, I would start a new YouTube channel and I would start all over again. It's the same. It's like for business, it's money. Like money will only take you so far. At the end of the day, you're going to need something else that propels you. You need some kind of motivator. It's the same as like, 
in relationships, like passions is great, but passion will not sustain your marriage. Like obviously you need a bigger foundation. Like there are other (laughs) super important components to make a relationship work. And the same was true with business. Money is just not enough to make a business worthwhile and to keep you driven enough through the highs and lows, you know, because there will be highs and lows, whether money is coming in or not. Like it will happen. Your dedication will be tested (laughs) for sure. For sure. Any tips for people that want to navigate the online space, but they tend to get discouraged when they don't get the results or like they put a lot of time and effort and it's not quite as anticipated? Well, I think the biggest thing that I've done for me is I support a lot of other people online, but I don't necessarily follow them and I hide all their content. So I don't subscribe on YouTube or I hide their videos. Same on Instagram. Like, I hide them from my feed. I don't want to know what other people in my sector are doing because I really get to start comparing, Mm -hmm. you know, and playing that comparison game. It just touches a little bit too close to home. And I start either second guessing myself because maybe something they're doing is working better than what I'm doing, or I start to have my own ideas diluted. Like it all ends up blending together and it's like everyone's ends up doing the same thing. And it's because everyone's looking at each other other. The more you can put your blinders on and just do whatever idea you have in your mind and try it out, the happier you'll be with the results that you get because you're not comparing it to anyone else's result. And you'll actually be doing something that you care about, that has high integrity, that's authentic to you. And people can feel that. And you know, it's like wherever your energy flows. Yeah, that one. If you focus on three people who left a comment on your video and really work on responding to them and acknowledging and thanking them, you'll feel a lot better than looking at a video and saying, oh, I only have a hundred comments, but this girl has 3000, you know, like really learning to focus on what it is that you do have and really honoring and being proud of that and grateful for it will only bring more of that to you. And then also just really like put the blinders on It's fine every now and then, I think, to like maybe check out what other people are doing for inspiration, but don't stay there too long. Like, don't linger. I mean, I know I do start to second guess myself when that happens. And it just, that's when I start to feel kind of bad about what I'm doing. And again, it's like, I have over 2 million subscribers on YouTube. I should never feel bad. But if I start to compare myself to someone there's who has always 10 someone million, who does better than us. There's of always, course, of course, there's always someone doing it better and easier and more successfully. And you know, that people so love more. Think. Like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So it's like, I can't look at that. I'd rather just focus on what I do have. And I have that mentality even from the beginning, you know, when I had 10 subscribers and one comment in a month, you know, but it was like, woohoo, 10 people watched my video. You know, that's 10 more than I had yesterday. Like that's a start. (laughs) And you just build on it. Yeah. I like that ideas of putting blinders and kind of focusing on your own thing and making it what you do, your business and what they do, like none of your business in a way, you know, and like staying on track with this. And this brings me back to something you were saying earlier about people asking if it's too late. And I think a lot of people think, well, it's all been done. Like it's, and it's been done well. Like, why would I take that step? How do you stand out other than putting your blinders on? Like, was there a strategy for you? Or do you think of a strategy now or like how do you show exactly who you are and make something that is quote unquote different even if 
you know, we're teaching the same poses, like all of us exactly the same practices, the same principles. The truth is it has all been done before. Mm -hmm. People are right. It does exist. It's true. There are lots of online yoga classes. You know, it probably most things you can think of have probably already been done before. So what? So what? You know, I always go back to the saying where, you know, they say it takes hearing something seven times before actually processing the message Uh and taking it in. So it's like, you might just be that seventh teacher for someone, you know, where you have the yoga class that actually clicks and connects with people. But it's true. Probably everything has already been done before, but like no one is you, you know, I hate saying that because it's like, it is kind of cheesy. Like no one can say it quite like you can say it and no one is exactly you, but that is true. That's true. And the thing is, it's like, for some reason, when it comes to being online, people get really worried about the fact that it's all been done before. But if you think about it with in-person classes, we're never going to run out of the need of yoga classes. People are still going to come to class week after week after week after week. There's still going to be more teachers, more studios, even though it's been done before. Somehow there always is enough room for everyone, you know? And I really try to cultivate that abundance mindset of like, Mm -hmm. there's plenty enough to go around, plenty for everyone, including myself. A rising tide lifts on all boats. You know, that's a really good mindset to adopt. But then when it comes to trying to set yourself apart, like when I first started, I made the mistake of kind of looking at what other people were doing because I had no idea how to teach online. I wasn't sure if it should be the same as an in-person class or if it had to be different. And I love yin yoga. So I teach vinyasa yoga and yin yoga. And when I first started, it took me a while to start teaching yin yoga online because there was barely any yin yoga online and the videos weren't super popular. So I just kind of assumed that no one cares about yin yoga and it won't be popular. But one day I just decided, you know what? Like I'm about to do my own yin practice. I might as well just film it and we'll see. And now I'm like known for being the yin yoga teacher of YouTube, you know, like I've carved out that niche for myself unintentionally and authentically because I love to teach and practice yin yoga. But it's like, you really will not know until you are brave enough to give it a try and to offer it. And another thing, it's like, I used to feel like, let's say I did a 30 minute bedtime yoga class and people would keep asking me, I would like a 30 minute bedtime yoga class. And I would say, oh, I already did one of those. Go watch that video. Instead of saying, well, make more, <laughs> you know, people will always are asking you what they 30 want. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just answer. I felt like I had to check off a to-do list okay, I'll have one of each yoga class and then I'll be done. And it's like, that's just not how people like to practice. If you think of a yoga studio, every week people, they go and they do a one hour yin yoga class. They're going to want that every week for the rest of their lives. And (laughs) you you don't want the same class every week because I get boring. No, exactly. So it's like, it's fine to kind of repeat yourself in a way. I thought I was being boring maybe Mm -hmm. or uncreative or unoriginal by kind of doing the same kinds of classes over and over again. But the creativity is in the sequencing themselves, right? The classes are different, but my themes, my ideas, the idea behind them can be the same. So I think the more you do it, the more you end up figuring out what you're really good at, what you're certified in, what is your area of expertise, and then you can more easily drop the rest. You know, like I don't teach prenatal. I don't teach Iyengar, you know, we don't teach. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. But online, it's tempting to want to do it all. 
you know, it's tempting to want to be the be all end all of yoga. And it's like, you're just much better off staying in your lane, focusing on your strengths and focusing on the areas that give you and bring you the most creativity. Because from that place of creativity, that's where the uniqueness, that's how you will end up standing out. Yeah, because you feel inspiration. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And so when you are doing all of this and you're receiving comments, you were saying like maybe one and then maybe more over time, how do you engage and connect with your audience other than just answering the comment to keep them coming back? Obviously, showing up with the things that you love and showing up in the things that you're skillful in and you feel authentic, that's going to keep people coming back. But do you have a tip for people on how to really build that sense of community, that connection with people because the screen is in the way and you don't have that five minutes before class or 10 minutes after class to be like, hey, how's your dog? And you know, all the things that we might do in person. It's tough and it's changed a lot as my channel has grown bigger and the audience size has increased. Like the bigger it is, the harder it kind of is to make those more personal connections. But I do try to make an effort to have some sense of community through yoga with Cassandra. When I was first starting off, for the first, I would say at least two and a half years, I literally responded to every single comment I got on every single video. I felt like that was my duty because it's not like I was super popular or anything. So it was still manageable. And I would look at like other kind of smaller channels that were my size and they weren't answering people. And I just felt like, you know what? I should make this a priority. I am grateful that people took the time out of their day to watch my video and to not only watch, but to leave a comment. Like that's an extra layer, you know, that most people won't even do. So I was like, I made it a priority for a very long time to answer every comment. And, you know, even now every day I start my day, I go answer as many comments as I can, you know, like, I think that's important. Something that has helped me personally for Yoga with Cassandra, we have like a student Facebook group. So it's just like the Yoga with Cassandra community Facebook group. And I think that has been the Mm -hmm. best community building tool ever. I mean, it's still a big group. I don't even know, probably at least 35,000 people in there. So it's a huge group. But for some reason, it's really active. It's a really supportive environment. And it's been a great resource for me to like check in and check out and to have like other kind of student community leaders, you know, kind of get discussions going and, and, you know, share videos, share ideas, like encourage each other. Mm -hmm. So that has worked really well. And then of course, when I was, I mean, starting off, but even till today, I do make it a point to try to get people on the mailing list. That way, if all my social media accounts were to disappear tomorrow, it's very important. It's literally, if you're going to start anything online, like that needs to be your first priority is to build a mailing list. Like I see all these headlines all the time. Mailing lists are dead. No, they're not. These are just clickbait headlines. You need a mailing list. Otherwise you will not go far. Like you need it. Social media cannot replace your mailing list. It never will, you know? So I do try, you know, I have an email that goes out every week, just a little newsletter to touch base, but I've always made it a priority to really nurture and build that list because it's always in the back of my head. You know, I don't own Instagram. I don't own YouTube. I don't own any of these platforms. Like what if if, they close tomorrow? What if they close tomorrow? What if my account gets hacked? What if I get banned? What if something happens? It could happen. It totally could And it has happened to others before. So it's like, it's nice to have that backup to know that you can still have a way of staying in touch with people. And plus, it's just savvy. 
business-wise. Like yeah. it's something that yeah, you yeah. have. And it's a place for you to actually nurture your relationships with people a lot more and than to learn yeah. comments and learning from them what they want, what they're looking for. Like there's a chance for real conversation, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it works really well. As the comments go up, as the community grows, so the trolls and so the negative comments. So any tips for people that really struggle dealing with negative feedback or criticism online from people they don't know and they find it really hard? How have you learn to deal with it. It's tough. Like I really do have a thin skin. Like I think because I'm a people pleaser, I just always want everyone to be happy in their interactions with yeah, me. Of course, I would so love for everyone to love me, you know, and to <laughs> not love me, but even just like not be hateful towards me yeah, at the bare minimum, yeah. you know? And I am lucky, I would say, thankfully, being in the yoga space, you do attract mostly positivity. I get very, very, very little hates and trolling. I do get some. It's silly, but like, honestly, what helps for me is like, it's so tempting when you get triggered by someone. Like I had someone a couple months ago, I discovered that over the past seven months or something, they had left hundreds of comments on my channel and they started off being like, I don't like this teacher. Her voice is too nasal. Okay. Fair enough. You know, that's fine. Like that's what comments are for. You don't like me. There's a million other teachers, no problem. But by the end, like this person would literally do all of my yoga classes. And then by the end, it was like name calling and saying what a stupid bee I am and that I should die, you know, like really violent. And I was like, whoa. And I hadn't noticed them before. And when I found all those comments, I really got to see this progression where it's like just a small complaint becomes total pure hatred and violence. Uh And Anytime I get comments like that where I feel really triggered, either I start to doubt myself, what if they're right? Do I really suck? Am I really a bad teacher? Am I harming people? Or even if it's a comment where I get triggered and I'm like, I'm going to talk back to this person or I get defensive and I want to retaliate. What I like to do, I just write it as if I'm writing an email or I open the notes app on my phone and I type out the biggest response, you know, everything I would like to say to that person. And then I delete it, you know, and Mm -hmm. that feels good. I never respond to those comments. I feel very strongly that it is not worth it to respond, especially when it's just like trolling comments. Like you're just going to feed into that. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes there is constructive criticism hidden within the message. So it's important to note when you're being defensive and when you're being triggered because there's a grain of truth within the comment. And that can be a hard pill to swallow. But sometimes I know I can be, or I have been in the past, I've been quick to dismiss something as being hate or trolling, but actually there was valuable feedback for me. Mm. Maybe the delivery wasn't the best, yeah. you know, and maybe they could stand <laughs> to be a little nicer in the way that they're talking to me and providing me with that criticism. But I have also grown from mm. Like being able to see the value in it. Yes. And finally, like the last little thing I want to say on that, like something that's been really important to me, I think it's easier to not take the negativity personally if you also don't take the positivity personally. And that's hard. When you're in a position where you are mostly getting praise 
right? Like I'll get emails from people saying the wildest things, you know, you have saved my marriage. You have saved me from dying. I was on death's door. You know, you pulled me through. You are the most amazing person. You are the biggest light in my life. These are all lovely, wonderful words. I cannot take them on. I cannot absorb that into my being. I cannot let that infiltrate my ego. I will float up. (laughs) My head will get so big. I will float up into outer space. And what's the difference between someone saying, you are the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me and someone saying, you are awful. You should never do this again. You have ruined my life. Like if one person is true, why isn't the other true, right? So it's easier for me to not take on the negativity if I also keep an arm's length to the super beautiful praise. It's nice to receive it. I acknowledge it. I thank it. But I need to be the one that decides at the end of the day what is and isn't true about me. And that's hard. It's really hard when you have a lot of people praising you, you know? It's tempting to just be like, wow, I'm amazing. Especially (laughs) as a people pleaser. Like we like external validation, but it's a life lesson to trust ourselves and what we do and like decide and embody the value we have regardless of what other people are saying. Yeah. And it'll just hurt that much more when you do receive the negativity. If you're so used to accepting and taking in all the positive love and praise. Yeah. That's something. It's hard. (laughs) Yes, for sure. For sure. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? If there's like a main tip you like to give people that want to get started or... If there's one takeaway of our conversation today, what would that be for you? I mean, the main tip is to really just start where you are with what you have. Try not to overcomplicate your life right from the beginning. Don't worry, it's going to get complicated as you go. So you might as well start simple and small and manageable. Consistency will always beat natural talent. Okay. It always will. It's like that quote of like hard work beats talent when talent don't work or something. It's the same with being online. If you can start small, keep it manageable in a way that allows you to be consistent for a long period over time, you are much more likely to see the results that you're hoping for. Let go of the idea of going viral. It's the exception to the rule. Almost no one goes viral. Almost no one gets big overnight. For most people, it's a slow, steady, gradual process. And that's great. You know, that's a beautiful journey. So if we can drop that expectation and kind of along that vein, don't hold back your best ideas for when you think you'll be ready and have an audience to launch them. Do it now, even when no one's watching. That's something I always have to remind myself. I think, oh, I have this great idea, but I don't have an audience, so I'm not going to do it. Mm -mm. You are killing your creativity by doing that. If you have the idea, put it out and do it. And you just have to trust that new and better ideas are going to come in its place. And the only way you're going to get the audience is if you actually start putting stuff out there. So just give it your best all the time. Don't hold on to it for fear of not being ready enough and for fear of not being perfectly positioned to be successful. Like that's scarcity thinking. It's really going to affect the flow of creativity. Absolutely. If you have the idea, go for it. The time is now. Don't hold on to it. Don't be a hoarder. 
share it. <laughs> You'll feel and we've better. we've talked about this trust. before. You can repeat. You can repeat you can and make repeat. it 5% better. Like if something worked really well, something you enjoyed, like you can repeat something very similar. Totally. Right? So Version there's this two. idea. Yeah. Exactly. Like why withhold on the community you have now? Like they're not deserving of your best ideas exactly. right now. <laughs> Give it yeah. to them yeah. and then repeat later. It'll be fine. And exactly. I love that note on viral and not waiting to be or not hoping or aiming to be like your main goal is to become viral. And I think if we can bring this back to entrepreneurship, because we all kind of want that magic, you know, it explodes overnight and we've made it. But if you have to learn all these new skills, going viral can be extremely overwhelming because all of a sudden you have to learn a hundred new skills in one little piece of time where if you gradually grow, you will have time to gradually learn all the skills you need to learn to sustain that growth and not like want to quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, You need to be ready for it. If it does happen to you, you know, it can be a blessing or it can be a curse, but odds are it won't happen and that's okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's totally fine. And it's the same with like, you don't have to be on every social media platform. Okay. You don't have to, you can just pick one or two and start with that. It's fine. You don't have to do TikTok. You don't have to do threads. You don't have to do Instagram <laughs> reels. Like just pick one that you actually enjoy, enjoy and feel and- motivated to learn and start there and see how you feel over time, you know? Yeah, love this. I'll put all your info in the show notes, obviously. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you, whether it's the channel or they want to work with you in some other capacity? What's going on in your world? Where should they go? Easiest is just yogawithcassandra.com. It's Cassandra with a K. Otherwise, if they want to practice with me, I do have new classes on YouTube every week. And it's just yoga with Cassandra on YouTube. So probably like 850 videos up there if anyone wants to give any of them a try. That's amazing. Congrats on that. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you for your time today. It was lovely chatting with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode of the podcast in general on iTunes. If this episode has helped you in any way, you can pass it on and help someone else by leaving your review. Plus, when you leave your review to say thank you, I will give you access to our premium membership for free for a full month. All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review and we'll get you all set up. Find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 191. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening in. See you next Monday.